appreciate so much you uh, giving me the privilege to preach tonight, and uh, that's a very special blessing, and I don't take that lightly. I um, want you to know we were having lunch today and uh, having some fellowship, and we were discussing the process by which we go about translating the scriptures. And I want you to know that we translate from the Greek Texas Receptus, the Hebrew Masoretic, and we do translate with a word-for-word equivalency. Uh, We say this often that we don't believe it is the translator's job to tell people what we think God meant. It is the translator's job just to simply tell people what God said, amen? And so um, we we feel very strongly about that. Uh, Also, uh, some of you have asked before the service, what is my part in all of this? And we were talking about that today as as well at lunch. Uh, My part is uh, I've been asked to come on board as director of national training, which is a fancy title, just meaning a representative, but I've been asked to go overseas and go from country to country to country and introduce our ministry to national pastors of our stripe who have been praying for a Bible in their language with the hope and prayer of having many more Bible translation projects. We're thankful for the nine that we have, but we have a long way to go, don't we? And so I'm very excited to be a part of that. And then when I'm here in the States, uh, I have the privilege of preaching missions conferences and raising awareness for scripture translation, and I just love it. We have been uh, from Alaska to Maine, Michigan to Miami. Uh, we, we have been in about 400 churches, 80 missions conferences. Uh, we've put well over 100,000 miles on our minivan. Uh, we have, we've been blessed. Last year was my busiest year yet. The Lord gave us 84 meetings and uh, I prayed to be in 35 new churches, new, new meaning they don't know anything about our ministry, and the Lord gave me 44 new churches last year. And so um, we're very thankful uh, to the Lord's blessing uh, as we travel all over. Pray for us. We're going to India a week from Friday, and we're taking my wife, uh, Amy, and my son, Cooper, uh, with us. And so pray for us. If you think about us, we covet your prayers that we would be safe and that it would be a wonderful experience, especially for Cooper. And uh, Cooper's my 11-year-old. So we have five boys and, um, and Cooper's my youngest. So anyway, uh, pray for us. Uh, as we have gone from church to church to church and missions conference to missions conference, I want you to know this and then we'll turn to our text. We have seen God's people respond so uh, amazingly to scripture translation. Uh, we've, we've seen churches sponsor one of our projects just as they would sponsor a monthly uh, uh, missionary. Uh, that that's just floors me. Uh, we have seen churches sponsor a book of the New Testament for one of our projects. Uh, we've seen amazing one-time gifts. I, I mean, we have just uh, seen God's people respond so uh, great to the propagation of the Word of God to unreached people groups. And that is fruit to your account. As you support us, the Fennel family, and we go from church to church to church, uh, this is part of your investment. And so thank you for your love for the Lord, your love for His Word, and your love for Scripture translation. Again, it's an honor to be a part of your team. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 tonight, if you will. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you make your way to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, if you are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, you know that many have called this the great hall of faith, right? It is the great faith chapter. And as you look at the great faith chapter, you will find many facets of faith in the great hall of faith. Um, You know a facet is just one side of of many, right? And there are many facets of faith. We could preach for a year of Sundays from Hebrews chapter 11, and that has been done, hasn't it? Uh, We could talk about the models of faith. 
we could talk about the magnitude of faith. I think it's 21 times the words through faith or by faith are in this text. Um, we could talk about the meaning of faith, the miracle of faith, the menace to faith. Uh, we could just, again, spend a year of Sundays on it. However, we want to just pull out one facet of faith from this text, and we want to look at the manifestation of faith or the evidence of faith. And so notice with me verse number one of Hebrews uh, chapter number 11, and we're going to read uh, just one verse to start with, and then after we pray, we'll uh, pray shortly, and then uh, we'll look at some other verses in this text as well. But notice Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For just a few minutes tonight, let's look at this truth from this text, the manifestation of faith. If you like alliteration, you could call it birthmarks of belief. But let's pray again and ask the Lord to bless our time together tonight. Father, I publicly acknowledge that I need your help I pray that you would, uh, Lord, use the preaching of your word, uh, the power of your spirit to do something spiritual in our midst tonight. Father, do something in our marriages, our families, our church family, and our circle of influence as you've called us to be salt and light in this dark world. Father, we are thankful for the word of God, and uh, Father, we pray you'll use it in a great way tonight, that decisions would be made that would last for eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard an interesting story one time. I think it's a comical story about a sweet little old lady, uh, a senior saint who, who loved the Lord, and she had a unique custom. She would go out on her front porch every morning, and she would shout at the top of her lungs, praise the Lord. She did this every day. Well, a neighbor moved in next door who was an atheist, and he got to hate and despise this woman's tradition. And so in time, she would come out on her front porch and shout, praise the Lord. And he would growl back, there ain't no Lord. And this went on day in and day out. Well, one day, this lady fell on hard times and she ran out of groceries. So she went out on her front porch, as was her custom, and she uh, started with a hearty praise the Lord. And then she audibly broke out into prayer and she said something like this, uh, dear Lord, you know I need Food, you know I need groceries. I ask you to provide, and I'll thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Amen. That's a pretty good prayer, I think. Well, the next day, she went out on her porch, and lo and behold, three bags of groceries. She was pretty excited. I would be as well. She started jumping up and down and shouting at the top of her lungs, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. About the third praise the Lord, that atheist neighbor, he came out from behind the house, and he said, aha, I got you this time. He said, I bought those groceries for you. There ain't no Lord. Well, she got even more excited, jumping up and down even more, getting even louder. And she looked to heaven and she said this, Dear God, thank you for providing the groceries and even making the devil pay for them. Amen. <laughs> now, now I, don't, I don't suggest that you use that soul-winning tactic if you have an atheist neighbor. I wouldn't call him or her the devil. But anyway, maybe it works if you're a senior citizen. But here's the point. Uh, you know this to be true. What's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever? Well, it's very simple. It's belief. It's faith. And if you're here tonight and you're saved, and I hope and trust that you are, you've taken the greatest step of faith that you'll ever take, and that is the step of putting your faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone, to have forgiveness of sins and the promise of heaven for all eternity. Amen? But, but wait a second. But wait a second. Just because you've done that, and I certainly hope that you have, Church family, it doesn't mean that you're through with faith. 
for the Christian life is a life of faith. I'm not teaching a progressive salvation. No, 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 no. Salvation is a one-time act, right? It's, an, it's a one-time moment in our life. But, but the Christian life is a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are to be found faithful. Jesus in the Gospels talked about levels of faith, those with no faith, those with little faith, those with great faith. And what does that tell me? What does that tell you tonight? It tells us that no matter where we are this evening in the area of faith, are you ready for this? Our faith can increase. Our faith can grow. Our faith, my faith, your faith, it can be strengthened. And we want to talk about that tonight as we look at, uh, at the manifestation of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, before we look at a quick outline, I want to give you what I call three fast facts about verse number one, all right? And it's to lay a foundation, if you will, to set the stage, if you will, before we jump into a, a quick outline. And so here are three fast facts about verse number one. Fast fact number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. The life of faith is a life of substance. Notice again, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What, what does that mean? Faith is not shallow, it has substance. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not empty, it has evidence. Have you ever heard anyone say this before? Well, I have, I have faith. I have faith. But it's a very private thing. I don't like to talk about it very much. Not to be unkind or unloving or mean or, or hateful or hurtful, but that's not Bible faith. Because if you have true Bible faith, there will be evidence of that in your life. So fast fact number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. Here's fast fact number two. That evidence has a name. It's called something in the Bible. What is it? It's called obedience. You can study that for yourself, and you'll find it from Genesis to Revelation and every book in between, but here's the point. Here's the significance. I love to talk about faith, don't you? I don't always like to talk about obedience, but can I say this? You cannot separate the two. Uh, we sing it as children, and I won't sing for you because I just care about you way, way too much, but Obedience is the very best way to show that we what? That we believe. We sing it as older children. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Uh, James 2 says faith without works is what? Dead. If we were explaining that verse to our children, we might say faith without action is dead, or faith without obedience is a dead faith. So, fast fact number one, the life of faith is a life of evidence. Fast fact number two, that evidence is called obedience. And then here's fast fact number three. It's not always easy to obey. Now, it's the only option if you're a believer. But my point is this. When you look at the great models of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, God required them to do some pretty challenging things. And so I'm going to end, or I'm going to end. You got excited there for a minute. I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna start with the invitation question tonight, all right? Here it is. Are you ready? What is it in your life 
Uh, what is the thing in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt God wants you to do, it's difficult for you to do, and it would require a step of faith? Maybe for someone here tonight, it's to get baptized. Maybe for another, it's to get involved with a certain ministry of your church. You say, Brother Bill, I I've known for quite some time God wants me to get involved with this specific ministry, and I have a thousand and one reasons why I don't want to do it. For me to jump in and do that, it would be a step of faith. Maybe for someone, it's to give monetarily to a project of the church. You even know the amount God wants you to give, and to write that check, you say, Brother Bill, boy, that would be a step of faith. Maybe for someone here tonight, it's to witness to a specific person. Maybe it's to witness to a difficult person. We don't know any difficult people, right? Maybe it's to forgive someone. Pastor, I believe this with all my heart. One of the great sins of the church today is bitterness. I really do believe that. Someone at some time has done something to us maybe 30 years ago. We still have not let go and let God. We still haven't pounded the gavel in the throne of our heart and said, you're free to go. I will no longer punish you. I choose to pardon you. You're free to go. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe it's to give your life to the Lord. Maybe it's to surrender to missions. I don't know what it is. But here's the question tonight. What is it in your life, the one thing that you know without a shadow of a doubt God wants you to do, it's difficult for you to do, it would require a step of faith. With that in mind, observe with me tonight a very brief outline. All right? Three things, very quickly. Are you ready? According to Hebrews chapter 11, point number one. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. That's a lot to write down. I'll say it again. Sometimes faith is simply obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. In other words, sometimes faith is saying, God, I don't understand it, but you said it, and I'll do it. Folks, that's faith. Here's a Bible illustration. Look at verse number 7, will you? Verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, here it is, of things not seen as yet. Noah built an ark. Okay, what's an ark? Well, Noah, an ark is something you need when there's a flood. Oh, what's a flood? Well, Noah, a flood is something that takes place when there's lots and lots and lots of rain. And Noah would look you right in the eye. He would scratch his head and say, oh, what's rain? You get the picture? I'm just simply trying to say this. Sometimes when God tells you to do something, we don't have it figured out all up here. I'll give you a more modern-day illustration, and I promise I'm not meddling, and I promise to be brief. Giving. Giving. Uh, you say, I'd rather build an ark than talk about giving. I understand that. I understand. <laughs> but, but do you remember you were just newly saved, and you were being discipled, and someone introduced you to the topic of giving to God first, which is a biblical principle. Whenever we receive, whenever God gives to us, we are to give to him first. Do you remember what you thought? I know what you thought. You say, how do you know what I thought? Because we all think the same way. This is the way we think. If the very first check I write when I get paid is to the Lord, at the end of the month, I won't have any money left over for this, that, or the other. And guess what, church family, tonight, are you ready for this? You would be accurate on paper, but you've just thrown faith right out the window. 
and I already know this about you, we could have testimony time tonight. We're not going to do it. But we could go all over the sanctuary and we could hear testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony of Christians who would stand and say this, even though I didn't really understand it at the time, when I trusted God with my finances and obeyed, God has blessed my finances ever since. Amen? Amen. Even though at the time it may not have made a whole lot of sense. Folks, that's faith. That's faith. Here's a second thing to consider from our text. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. But then secondly, consider this with me. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not comfortable. When it's not comfortable. All kinds of illustrations in our text. Uh, we could talk about Moses leaving the comforts of Egypt to wander around in the parking lot of the desert for 40 years. We could talk about uh, Gideon, 32,000 men down to 300. That had to be a smidgen uncomfortable, especially if you were one of the 300, I suppose. Uh, we could talk about Joshua. Just keep walking around those walls, Joshua. They have to come and tumbling down. The song said so, so just keep walking around those walls, right? Hey, probably there's no greater illustration in our text, maybe in all of the Bible, than verse 17. Would you look there with me, verse 17? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. I have five boys, and there's times that I've thought about it, but I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and offer him as a sacrifice. Offer him as a burnt offering. You talk about uncomfortable. Yes, church family, because sometimes faith is simply obeying God even when it's not comfortable. I heard a story one time when I was a children's pastor of, about a family, and, and it has a happy ending, I promise. Uh, a family had a house fire. Everyone in the commotion made it to the front yard except for the little boy. He was about four or five. Uh, next thing they know, the family looks in the window right above them, and the, the little boy was there. And the father was in a panic. He went to the bottom of the window. He looked up. He said, son, jump, jump, jump. I'll catch you. The little boy said, daddy, I can't jump because I can't see you. The smoke was just pouring, pouring out of that window. And this is what the father said. He said, son, you may not be able to see me, but I can see you. Jump, and you'll be saved. And the little boy jumped, and he was saved. Happy ending. You, know, you say, Brother Bill, what does that have to do with anything that we're talking about? Here's, here's what I'm trying to illustrate. Sometimes our step of faith feels like a big old leap in the dark. It's uncomfortable. Now, I'm so thankful God doesn't require a leap in the dark. He gives us the light of his word, amen? But I'm just simply trying to say, sometimes doing what God tells us to do may make our hands perspire, our mouth get dry, and our heart feel like it's going to beat right out of our chest. For example, think about your Christian life. Whether you've been saved three days, three months, three years, 30 years, think of the progress you've made in your Christian walk. Think of the steps that you have taken. Think about where you are right now as opposed to when you first started out as a believer. And, and think of the progress. For example, do you remember back when, I don't know, pastor on a Sunday night said something like this? Who would like to stand and give a testimony? 
and you were just saved a little bit, and God told you to give a testimony. Maybe he answered a prayer, or maybe he showed you something in your devotions, and you were scared to death, and yet you stood and you gave a testimony. Why? Because God told you to do it. Now, 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 30 years later, you'll, you'll give a testimony anytime, anywhere, any day. It doesn't matter even if pastor says who would like to give a testimony. You just stand and give a testimony. But back then, that was uncomfortable. Do you remember the first time you wrote that tithe check? Maybe your hand was shaking as you wrote it. Do you remember the first time you handed out that gospel tract? Do you remember the first time you witnessed and gave the gospel to someone? Do you remember the first time you witnessed to a family member? Do you remember the first time you taught that Sunday school, maybe, just maybe, there was like five children in that class and it felt like 500 to you. You were scared to death. Do you remember the first time you sang in church? Folks, sometimes faith is just doing what God says even though it's not comfortable. Now, we have to ask this question and we'll move on to our next point. Church family tonight, when is the last time you've been uncomfortable? Is it is it that God is through with you? Well, well, they're so-and-so. I, I have no more to teach them. There's no more growing in faith for them. No, we know better than that. Is it that we have arrived spiritually? No, we know better than that. Maybe, just maybe, we have gotten to a place where we are content to be content. And we just don't want to be uncomfortable anymore. May God help us. I, I grew up horrifically afraid of public speaking, and uh, that's a whole nother testimony, a whole nother, um, whole, whole nother sermon. But in the 15 years that I was a pastor, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was this. Are you ready? Hello, my name is Bill, and this is my wife, Amy, and we're just out inviting folks to church. Now, we did that almost every week during the 15 years that we were there. But church family, it's something I had to make myself do because it didn't come naturally to me. But here's the point. You're here tonight. You say, Brother Bill, that's me. I'm an introvert. Hey, aren't you thankful someone stepped out of their comfort zone to give you the gospel? Hey, don't other people in this community deserve the same opportunity? Sure they do. Folks, sometimes faith is just doing what God says even though it's uncomfortable. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it doesn't seem logical. Sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not comfortable. And then lastly, sometimes faith is obeying God when it's not desirable. That means we just don't want to. Sometimes faith is just saying, God, I, I don't really want to do this, but you told me to do it, and I love you, and I, I want to I serve you, and, and though it's, it's out of my comfort level, and, and though uh, you know this, that, or the other, I'm going to do what you told me to do. You say, Brother Bill, give me an illustration of that from our text. Okay, are you ready? Here it is. Every person, every illustration, every model in the great hall of faith is an illustration of this. Why? Because they have something that we all have. It's called a will. And when God the Father told them to do something, they had a decision. They could say yes or they could say no. They could harden their heart or they could humble their heart. They could soften their heart or they could stiffen their neck but mark it down, they wouldn't be in the hall of faith if they didn't learn to say, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. They wouldn't be in the hall of faith if they didn't kick self off the throne of their heart and put the Savior there or the sovereign there where he rightly deserves to be. 
And so sometimes faith is just saying, God, I don't want to, but I'm going to do it because you told me to, and I love you. And folks, that's faith. By the way, you know this to be true. Um, those of you in here that have experienced this, aren't you thankful for this? When we obey God, even though we might not want to, God in time changes our want to. Do you, by the way, side note, do you know how many marriages have been saved because of this principle? Yeah. Folks, sometimes faith is just doing what's right because God says it, even though at times we might not feel like it. Folks, that's faith. That's faith. Forgive me tonight for using the Fennel family as an illustration of faith. I would love to stand before you as the poster child for faith, but it's just not the case. When God started to work in my heart about being a missionary and serving with Worldview Ministries, I must confess to you, I did not want to do it. In my mind, are you ready? Here it is. It was not logical. <laughs> it was not comfortable. And it wasn't for a long time desirable. It wasn't logical to resign from a church that I believe I could have retired from. It wasn't comfortable to say goodbye to a church family that we love dearly. We absolutely love our church family. For 15 years, I had the joy and privilege of watching my church family love on my family. I don't think my church family loved me that much or cared for me that much, but they sure loved my family. And what joy that brings a husband, a father, a pastor to watch that. You know that to be true. You want to show love to your pastor, love on his family, amen? And we, we observe that. Man, that was uncomfortable saying goodbye to them. Standing behind the pulpit and resigning was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in ministry, hands down. It wasn't comfortable financially. I remember at the time, I was 47, and I had a, a family of seven, and a boy was getting ready to go to college. And I remember deputation scared me to death. There was no way on paper that we were going to be able to make ends meet. There was no way, I had a mortgage and all of the things that came along with that, and I just, I just thought there is no way that we're going to be able to, to make this fly, financially speaking. That was uncomfortable. And then for many, many, many months, I won't tell you how many, it was not desirable. And I remember arguing with the Lord, why do we do that? Why, why do we argue with the Lord? It's like playing chess with the Lord. He always wins, right? He knows what you're going to do ahead of time. He knows. I mean, it was just futile. And I would say, Lord, knowing in my heart what, did he, what he wanted me to do, I remember saying, Lord, uh, for the record, I don't want to do this, but I will pastor another church if that's what you have for me. And God said, no, that's not what I have for you. I remember saying, Lord, for the record, I don't want to do this, but I will teach in a Bible college if that's what you want. And I even went through the entire application process. All we had to do was move and go. And, and about two-thirds of the way in, the Lord said, what are you doing? You know that's not what I have for you. And I remember even thinking this, and I know Pastor and others here tonight will appreciate this. I remember thinking, um, okay, Lord, I don't want to do it, but I'll be a church-planting missionary because then I could still be what? A pastor. God said, that's not what I have for you. There's almost 4,000 people groups that don't have one verse of scripture, and I want you to go from country to country and raise awareness and, and raise funds. And, um, and I remember the day, I remember the day very well that I took my step of faith. I was sitting in my office, and I received an email um, from the Lord. No, it wasn't really from the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 
But that would be cool, wouldn't it? That would be pretty cool. No, I received an email from one of our missionaries in the Philippines, and he sent his monthly newsletter. And so I opened it, and I started reading it. And at the very end of his newsletter, he wrote something. I know it was just for me. This is what he said. It was so random, too. He just, at the end of his newsletter, he put this. If you are considering God's calling to foreign missions, do not fear. We can boldly say with the Apostle Paul, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And I remember sitting in my office, this, the, the tears started to flow. And for me, my step of faith was this. I stood up from my, my office desk, and that was me saying, Lord, okay, I know what you want me to do. And that was my step of faith. And, and here's the point. It's not, about, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's all about the Lord because God has blessed every step of the way. Um, every bill has been paid. Every need provided in, in our entire deputation process. God met needs before we even knew we had those needs. And, and we have a book at home where we have written all of the praises and all of the blessings that God has given to us. And we're still writing in them even up until this past week. To God be the glory, great things he have done. Now, we're going to close by looking at one verse and then an illustration, okay? And I think we're doing okay here. Um, look at verse number six. Verse number six tells us that this is how God blesses. The Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the TV evangelists, many of them will teach you that this is some sort of cotton candy Christianity where if you have enough faith, You'll never get sick, and you'll have a million dollars in the bank, right? There's a Greek word for that, right? It's called baloney, right? And uh, <laughs> now you know why I'm not a Bible translator. Anyway, so um, all verse number six is saying is this, that when we do what God tells us to do, we bring a smile to the face of God, and he promises to take care of us. That's all verse six is saying. God is pleased with you. God is pleased with me when we simply take him at his word and obey and do what he told us to do. Verse number six has meant so much to Amy and I in this transition from pastor to missionary because verse number six has taught us this valuable truth. And we'll end with this, that God can bless me a whole lot better than I can bless myself. But I have to be found faithful. God can take care of me a whole lot better than I can take care of myself. God can take care of you a whole lot better than you can take care of yourself. But we need to be found obedient, doing exactly what God is telling us to do, no matter what it is. It may not seem logical. It may not be comfortable. It may not even be desirable. But folks, that's faith, and God is pleased when we step out on faith. God God can take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves. Years ago, we were sitting around the table on a Saturday night, and uh, my third son, Chad, Chad was about this tall, and he was sitting right next to me, and I was sitting next to my wife, Amy, and Amy and I were talking, and um, there was a bag of potato chips on the table because, well, we like to eat healthy. Anyway, and my third son, Chad, he interrupts me. I was talking to Amy, and he said, Daddy, Daddy, and I said, Yes, son, what? He said, May I have a, uh, some potato chips? And I said, Sure, go ahead. And I turned, and I talked to my wife. I was, I'm the talker in the family. And so I was talking to Amy, and I didn't know this, but he didn't take any potato chips. So he interrupted a second time. And he said, Daddy, may, may I have some potato chips? I said, yeah, man, sure, go ahead, take some. And I turned, and I kept talking to Amy, and you guessed it, he didn't take 
any potato chips. Well, I didn't know that. He interrupted a third time. Now, listen, if you're a father here tonight, you know this. We only have so much patience. So by the third time that he interrupts you, you're like having evil thoughts about your offspring, right? Like, I'm going to feed him a potato chip with a slingshot if he doesn't stop interrupting me. These, these are the evil thoughts you have as a father. And I, he interrupted a third time. I said, what? What, son? What do you want? He said, Daddy, may I have some potato chips? He was almost in tears. I said, yes. And I, the bag was right in front of him. I pushed it even closer to his chubby little face. I said, take some potato chips. Take some. And he said this to me. I'll never forget it. He said, no, 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 Daddy. He said, no, you do it. He said, Daddy, you do it. Your hand is bigger than my hand. <laughs> and I remember thinking two things. Number one, smart kid. Secondly, I remember thinking this. My Heavenly Father's hand is a lot bigger than my hand. God can bless me a whole lot better than I can bless myself. God can bless you. Your Father can bless you a whole lot better than you can bless yourself. But wait a second, church family. We need to be found doing what God wants us to do. Hey, what is it that, what's the one thing in your life that God wants you to do? It's difficult for you to do. It would require a step of faith. May God give us the humility and the courage to take that step not only for our good, but more importantly, for his glory. Amen? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.